message tonight, the heart of a pastor, the heart of the pastor, and it's, it sounds kind of strange to stand up here and toot your own horn, but really I'm, I'm referring to the, the text, the context tonight is about the Apostle Paul, but I think you can see the application tonight, and hopefully I'm just going to stay right with the Word of God, and you can see what the passage has here as we've been making this journey through the book of Philippians and finding joy in the journey or rediscovering our joy in the Lord. And so let's pick it up in verse number 17 tonight, and we'll read from verse 17 down to verse 21. The Bible says in verse 17, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of, of your faith, I joy. Now, did you catch that? If I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But somebody said that uh, as, you, as you think about this matter of understanding the heart of the Apostle Paul, that there was one time a cartoon picture of a young man that was telling the preacher, and here's what he said to him, being a minister must be really hard. I mean, living for others, leading an exemplary life, that's a lot of responsibility. The pressures must be tremendous. Having to set a good example, people always watching you, waiting for one false move, one sign of human frailty where they can jump on you. Oh, I don't know how you handle it. And the preacher's response to all of that was, I stay home a lot. Sometimes that's about all a preacher can do. And the Apostle Paul was a man that had a pastor's heart. He was a man that loved people. And it's interesting because if you go back and study his life, this was Saul of Tarsus, now Paul the Apostle. This was a changed man. God changed him from the inside out. And these people that he now calls his joy were the very same people that he wanted nothing to do with not too long before this passage. It's a wonderful thing to see God moving in the heart of a man and to give that man, as God gave me many years ago, to give him a pastor's heart. Uh, I, I read where Ken Hughes said, to have a pastor's heart means to enter into the joy as well as the pain of our congregations, even when the joy and the pain are just moments apart, just moments apart. Uh, some days I'll be rejoicing with someone, and just a few minutes later, I'll be on the phone with somebody going through a very difficult time in their life, and that's part of pastoring. Uh, the, the, the heart of a pastor is what Paul is writing about, and again, Paul's not talking necessarily about himself, although that's the context. Remember, this is God's word. God wanted us to see in this small book we call the book of Philippians that there was a man that cared about God's people, that had a heart for them. 
that wanted God's best for them. And the truth is, for any pastor, any pastor worth his weight in salt should want what's best for God's people, should love God's people. And I'll tell you, it was the joy of one of the joys of my life to go on that men's retreat and to be with those men. I remember walking up to my pastor, and it was good to see him. It was good to hear him preach the Word of God again. But I'll tell you, the most exciting thing for me was, hey, pastor, I want you to come, see, come meet some of the men from our church. And I, I just had the joy of bringing him over and saying, this is br uh, Brother Gilbert, and this is this brother here, and this is this brother here. And, you know, they, they did well. They didn't embarrass me too bad in front of my pastor. Brother Gilbert said, he made me come. And you know what my pastor said to Brother Gilbert? Good. That's a good pastor right there, you know. And think about it now is we need to understand, as in this, past, this passage tonight, the heart of what I would call a spiritual leader. Notice, first of all, tonight, the call to ministry. The call to ministry is a call to herald the Word of God. To herald the Word of God. Verse number 16, look at it. The Bible says, holding forth the Word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Look here. It doesn't say, take the word of God and do one of these. It says, hold it forth. It says, give it out. Share it everywhere you go. And I see here that when you think about a call to the ministry, that God was calling Paul and God is still calling people. And Paul is admonishing those in Philippi and we are admonished tonight in the Word of God to do exactly what Paul had done, and that is to hold forth the Word of God, to share the Word of God. Listen, we had a great time on that trip. I loved the ride up there, and I loved the ride back. I loved the fellowship. We were in the bus. I know, I know what happens on men's retreat should stay on men's retreat, but I, I'll just tell you this one thing. We were on the bus, and we had been at church, and I mean, our cup was full. We were driving back to the hotel, it was about 10.30 at night, and we were passing and I thought, did I just have a vision or did I see a 25-foot ice cream cone? And I thought, no, that wasn't a vision. And I said to Brother Kenny, you need to turn around and go to where that ice cream cone was. And Brother Kenny turned around and drove back to where that ice cream cone was and I'm going to tell you something. Thank you, sir. I, went, I, I, I stood there and watched these guys at 1030 at night go up there and get their ice cream. I say, Pastor, how much ice cream did you have? Zero. I didn't eat any because Brother Gilbert ate it all before I got there. It was an amazing sight. I've never seen somebody eat so much ice cream in my life. But it was a call to hold the Word of God forth. And listen... Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Listen, folks, I don't believe the time is coming. I believe the time is here. That there are many out there that are not preaching God's word. And Paul says, look, the call to ministry is a call to herald the Word of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, a man who feels he is competent and that he can do this easily 
and so rushes to preach without any sense of fear or trembling or any hesitation whatsoever is a man who is proclaiming that he has never been called to be a preacher. I'm going to tell you every time that I get up in a pulpit, doesn't matter where I'm at, I am scared to death. Honestly. Uh, you know, you think about this. I am holding God's word. I am declaring the truth of God's word. God's words, not my words, change lives. And I want to make sure that when I stand and teach and preach the word of God, that I'm rightly dividing the word of God. That we're sharing truth because, listen, a call to the ministry is a call to herald the word. But notice, it's also a call to surrender for the work. Notice the Bible says in verse 17, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. This phrase here, to yield or to give in. Paul says, if I be offered. The phrase literally means to be poured out like a drink offering. Now this is something that the priests would do. Is they would offer an animal as a sacrifice. They would pour out when they offer that animal as a sacrifice. They would pour out a drink. Sometimes they said it would be water. Sometimes it might be honey. But they would pour that out and it represented the fact that they were praying that this sacrifice, that the savor of the sacrifice was well-pleasing to God. That's interesting because the very same practice was followed in the case of pagan sacrifices to their false god. And David Livingston thought about that. And one time, here's what he wrote. If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? Folks, we need to understand how very important it is that we understand that ministry is a call to wave the white flag, to surrender to the work of God. All of us need to be involved in the work of God. And Paul understood this. He wrote to those in Corinth, and here's what he said. I will very, very gladly, not just gladly, very gladly, spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Now, the word spent there is a great word. It means to exhaust by expending. It means to be used up. We were at the uh, men's retreat, and it was uh, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. We were standing out there while Brother Gilbert was finishing his third gallon of ice cream. And Brother Chris came up to me and he said, he said, Pastor, he said, uh, there's a man from the church that I used to be a part of here in Florida. And he said, uh, he's got some things going on. And uh, we talked and he called and said, do you, do you think you can spend some time with me? Brother Chris said, Pastor, would you mind if I went and spent some time with him tonight just to try to help him? And I said, that'd be fine. And the man came by, picked up Brother Chris, and Brother Chris went and just tried to be a blessing. I appreciate that kind of heart, that kind of attitude, that kind of spirit to be a blessing to someone that's going through a difficult time. And 
he was pouring himself out. He was spending himself. He was exhausting himself. Spurgeon said, do not desire to be the principal man in the church. Be lowly, be humble. The best man in the church is the man who is willing to be a doormat for all to wipe their boots on. The brother who does not mind what happens to him at all so long as God is glorified. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I don't have a problem when somebody walks by and I'm holding the door and they say, you make a good doorstop, praise the Lord. God should get the glory out of our lives. Paul understood what the call to ministry. Listen, a lot of times you, you see it. How many people think the call to ministry is a negative thing? There's not a greater call, folks, the call to ministry. And what you got to get out of your mind is, well, God hasn't called me to preach. The truth is, God wants every one of us to declare the truth. God wants all of us to be involved in ministry. And if you think about ministry, say, God hasn't called me. God saved you, and God's giving you an opportunity to serve him. How do you do that? The call to ministry is a call to herald the truth. And it's a call to surrender for the work. Lord, whatever you need done. One of the men that I had some time with, and we had a great time while we were there, he said to me, he said on the trip, Pastor, he said, anything, anything you need, you just say it, and I'll do it. I never asked him to say that. I had nothing in mind. He he just, he just looked at me, we were just by ourselves, and he said, Pastor, I'm telling you, anything that needs to be done at church, if you ask, I'll do it for you. And that's the kind of spirit God's going to bless. You know why? Because they understand the call to ministry. But notice, I also see the heart of the pastor, not only in the call to ministry, but in the concern in ministry. You see, someone that has a shepherd's heart is someone that is concerned about other people. Paul's writing here, and he has a concern to know their condition. Look at verse 19. He says, but I trust, notice, in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. You know what Paul's saying here through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that he has a concern for the church in Philippi, that he loves them and he's concerned about them. Proverbs 27, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. You know, you can make that application with your family. To know well the state of your flock, your herds. Certainly, we can see this application in 1 Peter 5, in regards to the church and the pastor, because the Bible says the elders, which is a term that is synonymous with a pastor, it says, the elders which are among you I exhort, whom also I am an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, Peter writes, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And here's what he says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, 
but of a ready mind, not as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Paul's saying here and Peter's saying here, look, we need to know the condition of our flock. Just like I was talking to you a minute ago, listen, we need to be aware of people like Brother Richie. We need to be aware of people like Gabriel Smith. We need to be aware of people like Brother Ken Mercer. And we need to be aware of people in this flock. And we need to be concerned about them. We need to care for them. This is the heart of a pastor. And this is the heart of someone that understands ministry. And we need to know their condition. But notice the concern in ministry is also to know their burden. The Bible says in verse number 20, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Paul was burdened for them. And listen, he was so burdened for them that here's what he did. He, he chose to send a young man named Timothy to check on them, to make sure that they were okay, that things were well. Paul had the heart of a shepherd. He cared about every sheep in the flock, just like Peter wrote, he was trying to feed them. He was trying to protect them. He was trying to nurture them. Listen, from time to time, when one of them wandered away, he went to seek those that were straying away. By the way, listen, you ought to be thankful, and I'm not talking necessarily just about myself, but if from time to time that, that maybe somehow you might start to drift away for some reason or the other. You ought to be glad that you have a, a pastor, you have an under-shepherd that cares enough about you to go after you while you're straying away. And this is the way Paul was. This is the way Peter was. Look in Acts 20. Take heed therefore unto yourselves, he writes, and to over, over all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which... He hath purchased with his own blood, talking about Jesus. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch. I've told people that, listen, this is, if I, I don't think I'm, uh, misusing the word of God here, but this is God's placed me here, and this is my watch. God's put me on watch. I am here as God has given me opportunity. He's given me the oversight. He hasn't made me Lord. He's made me an under-shepherd. But I'm here, and it, the, the truth is I love you just like Paul loved those in Philippi, and as you think about what he's writing here, he says, look, there are going to be some that are going to come in among you and they're going to be speaking perverse things, things that don't line up with the scriptures. And the Bible says here, they're going to try to draw people away. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I take this very seriously. And if somebody comes in and tries to drag one of the sheep out of this flock, I'm going after them. I'm going to call them out. I'm going to mark them. That's what the word of God teaches us is to understand that we need to know the burden that is here and the burden is, is that we need to watch and we need to remember, Paul said, I did it by the space of three years, that I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. Paul shed a tear. Brother Gilbert talked about Pastor Kerry Nance. Pastor Kerry Nance, he was right. 
he's a man that, that, that there's a lot of compassion there. You know, and, and, and honestly, we need to shed a tear. Now, the truth is, is that bec just because you may not see tears doesn't mean there's not tears in a person's heart. And many times when I don't see someone, it's, listen, it's not a bad thought. In my mind, and just like the Apostle Paul and any other pastor, I'm thinking, wonder where they're at. I hope they're okay. I hope they're not following somebody that could harm them or hurt them. You see, we've got to know their condition. We've got to know their burden. And I love the fact that Paul had a heart for these people and he understood the call to ministry. And then he, look, he understood this matter of being concerned about them and he wanted to know what was going on, that they were okay. And the one thing that he rejoiced in was that he had a companion in ministry. Notice his companion was like-minded. Like-minded. Look what the Bible says in verse 20 again. He says, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. The word like-minded carries the idea of having a like disposition. In other words, having the same purpose. Uh, there's, there's been times in ministry where many a pastor wished that he had a Timothy that had the same heart. Years ago, I remember talking to a pastor that I worked for who had a dear friend that was a great preacher of old named Harold Seitler. And Harold Seitler had made the comment to him, he, he basically said the same thing, that, that I don't have someone that can come behind me that has the same heart, that, that believes the scriptures the way that I believe the scriptures, the way that God's given the scriptures. And he says, because I don't have someone that's like-minded, I'm very, I'm very weary of what can happen to this church when I'm gone. Hey, you studied out Acts 20. That's exactly what Paul was writing and telling those Ephesian elders. That things could get different if we're not careful. And he says here, look, God's given me a companion Paul had met this young man, Timothy. Paul had trained him. Paul had mentored him. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you, that's something God's put on my heart. And I pray as, as the years go by, if the Lord tarries his coming, that God's going to give me an opportunity to invest my life. Listen, it's not about me. It's about the Lord. It's about the word of God. But investing in other people, mentoring other people so that they can understand what thus saith the Lord, that they can keep the ministry of God going forward. Listen, I'm not, I'm not interested in changing the word of God or changing the ministry that God's given to us. There's so many today that have changed it into something that doesn't even look like God's church anymore. But I'll tell you this much, the Apostle Paul, that veteran, he was confident that Timothy had the same purpose. You see, God gave him somebody that was like-minded. But notice, not only was his companion like-minded, his companion was learned. Uh, Timothy had learned some things. He had been taught some things. We know by his mother and his grandmother. And, of course, God had been working in his heart. And Timothy was a man that had insight. And the Bible says again when he mentions in verse number 20, he says, who will naturally care. That means somebody that will genuinely care for you. Somebody that will be faithful to you and faithful to the word of God. They'll be sincere as they handle the word of God. And he says that they will care for you. They'll look out for you. They'll seek 
to promote uh, God's interests instead of their own interests. And Paul was one, listen, he was getting older and he knew that he wasn't going to be around much longer. And Paul had confidence in this young man, Timothy. And, and he, Timothy was a man that even made Paul's interest his own interest. Paul, Paul had a, a young man that said, listen, I'm here to help you, Paul, to do whatever it is God's put in your heart to do. And this church is, is honestly blessed because God has not only given you an opportunity to have a pastor, but he's given you two tremendous young men who have been loyal, who have been very helpful to me, that have said to me time and time and time again, Pastor, what can I do for you? Pastor, how can I help you? Pastor, is there something I can do for you? Listen, a lot of times whenever I look at them and they ask me that, and I'll say something to them about, do you mind doing this? Can you help me with this? Can you go do this? I don't hear them say, well, that's not exactly what I wanted. Don't you have something else? We joke and laugh around about it. Brother Kenny, his resume grows every day. I mean, I told him, I said, you're going to impress somebody one of these days when you show them your resume. But Paul was the same way. Paul had somebody that was under him, that had been mentored by him, that had been trained by him, that Timothy said, listen, Paul, I want to help you do what God's called you to do, and that's the way I've always tried to be in my life. And Paul had confidence in sending Timothy because he knew that Timothy would minister like Paul would on behalf of the Philippians. See, his companion was like-minded. His companion was learned. Look at thirdly, his companion was loyal. The Bible says about those in that day that all were seeking their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But you know what Timothy was? Timothy was loyal to Christ. See, Timothy followed Paul as Paul followed Christ. And see, we find here that he was loyal. Paul, Paul knew that Timothy was a young man that didn't have his own personal agenda that he wanted to please the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Paul says, not about me. It's about what God wants for people's lives. Paul had seen many in his day that said at one time, Paul, I'm loyal to Christ. I'm loyal to the word of God. But he'd also seen many of them that, that used to say that that no longer did. We've seen some in our day. The Bible describes one of those individuals by the name of Demas. And the Bible records, Demas, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica, you think about Demas, he's just one of many. But how would you like your name to be immortalized in the word of God as someone that forsook the Lord? Someone that forsook the word of God. Paul says, listen, I'm grateful for a Timothy. But there have been many along the way. Now think about how important it is for us to have the companions in ministry and how we need to be loyal to the things of God. I read how there was a scene that was taking place. Uh, they, were, they were filming some type of a movie, and the set for this scene was at a New York airport. 
And in this set for this movie, there was an actor that was in character. And according to the way the script was written, he was supposed to try to evade being recognized. And the way that he was doing that was he was supposed to put on a baseball cap to hide his identity. And as the director was telling him what to do, where to sit, one of the prop people came up, handed him a hat, said, here, put this hat on. And the man looked at the hat, and he says, I can't do that. And the director said, look, put the hat on. we got to shoot this scene. He said, I can't do that. He says, you can't do what? He says, I can't put that hat on. And he said, what's the problem? It's just a ball cap. Put it on. He says, listen, he says, I cannot put on a New York Yankee hat because I am an avid Red Sox fan. Now, that's a man right there that's loyal, but he's loyal to a team. How loyal are you to Christ? Paul says, listen, I've tried my best to live for the Lord, and I'm confident that God's given me a companion in ministry that is loyal to the cause of Christ. We clearly see the apostles, his heart here as a pastor. As we see his call and his concern and, of course, the companion that God gives him in ministry. I read this, and I thought you would enjoy it. I hope you will. But it says, God give us men ribbed with the steel of your Holy Spirit, men who will not flinch when the battle's fiercest, men who won't acquiesce or compromise or fade when the enemy rages. God give us men who can't be bought, battered, and badgered, by the enemy, men who will pay the price, make the sacrifice, stand the crown, and hold the torch high. God, give us men obsessed with the principles true to your word. Men stripped of self-seeking and a yen for security. Men who will pay any price for freedom and go any length for truth. God, give us men delivered from mediocrity. Men with vision high, pride low, Faith wide, love deep, and patience long. Men who will dare to march to the drumbeat of a distant drummer. Men who will not surrender principles of truth in order to accommodate their peers. God, give us men who are more interested in scars than medals, more committed to conviction than convenience. Men who will give their life for the eternal instead of indulging their lives for a moment in time. Give us men who are fearless in the face of danger, calm in the midst of pressure, bold in the midst of opposition. God, give us men who will pray earnestly, work long, preach clearly, and wait patiently. God, give us men who walk is by faith, behavior is by principle, whose dreams are in heaven, and whose book is the Bible. God, give us men who are equal to the task. Those are the men the church needs today. And God, give us those kind of men that have the heart of a pastor. Would you bow your heads with me tonight with our heads bowed? Lord, thank you so much for the privilege that is all of ours to realize that there is a ministry that has been given to the church. Lord, you have left your work in our hands. As we looked last week at your resurrection from the dead, you ascended back to be with the Father. You left your work in our hands. As men, we went to that men's advance. And we saw in two days that, that the truth is it wasn't about us. 
It wasn't about Peter. It was about Jesus. It was about what the Lord wants to do. And the Lord left this work in our hands. It's still your work, God. Lord, as I think about the work, there is a great call for all of us to get involved in the work, to be fully surrendered to the work of God. And Lord, I pray that we'd have a greater concern for the lost, to have a greater concern for the state of the flock, to know the burdens that people carry. And God, I pray that as we go through this, we know that we have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We know that you are always with us. But God, give us some co-laborers. Give us some that will shoulder up with us. Some that will step out of the boat and spend that necessary time with you. Now, Lord, bless the invitation tonight. God, may your will be done in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand with me tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? The piano's playing tonight. God's calling. Will you answer the call? Will you say, I'll get involved. I'll be a part of the work of God. I'll surrender to whatever it is. Lord, whatever you need done in your work, I want to be a part of it. Would you come tonight? And just dedicate yourself and say, Lord, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about my generation. I'm concerned about the state of our nation. I'm concerned about the direction of the work of God. And Lord, help me. Help me to see people the way you see people. Help me to look beyond what everybody else is lingering about. And help me to say, look, I'm going to get involved no matter what anyone else does. Why don't you come tonight and say, I don't know how, I don't know what, but I want to be a companion. I want to be loyal. I want to be loyal to the work of God, to the call of God. I want to help out in the ministry. I'm not talking about full-time ministry. Why don't you just start by waving the white flag of your life. Lord, here I am. I'm not much, but I'm willing to do whatever you want. Paul had confidence in Timothy. And I am confident that there are some people in this auditorium tonight and there are some people in this church that love God. They love to see God working in people's lives. And every one of us tonight need to say, by God's grace, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and see God working in people's lives. You heard one of the men say, it was about stepping out of that boat. And by stepping out of that boat, what did Peter do? Peter revealed God in a greater way to those that did not step out of the boat. I don't know exactly outside of what the scriptures say, but I'll tell you this much. Oh, that must have been quite a reunion when Peter stepped back into that boat with the rest of those disciples. I can just hear him saying, Peter, Peter, what was it like out there? And all Peter said to them was this, I don't know anything about walking on water, but I just know this, 
that whenever I started to fail, He caught me. He helped me. And God can help you and God can help me to have the right kind of heart to care for people in this world. Lord, thank you for this evening. I thank you for the opportunity once again to open up the eternal truths of the Word of God. Thank you for looking into the heart of the Apostle Paul. Lord, we need some men. We need some women of God. Lord, help us. Help us to understand your call. Help us to have your concern. God, give us some people that will have a heart for the things of God. In Jesus' name we pray. God.